All right, all right, all right. Y'all doing okay today? Hey, I want to echo what Joe said earlier. I hope you were here last Sunday, all right? I really do because last Sunday, wow, right? Am I right, man? Last Sunday was a party, all right? Last Sunday was a celebration. And here's the thing. Last Sunday, churches all over the world joined together and rejoiced in one of the most important events in human history, all right? And what we're talking about is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fact that he conquered the grave, the redemption of creation. That's what we celebrated last Sunday. But like he also said, what's happening today What's happening this week is no less amazing, all right? Man, uh, something to think about, all right? Here it is. When Jesus looked death in the face and just was kind of like, death, do you even lift, all right? Like, when, when he beat death down and, like, he did not just rise and then ascend, but he didn't just come back for a celebration, but he came back with a message. Christ defeated death. And when he rose from that grave, he came back with marching orders. He came back to say, now it's your turn. Church, now it is your turn. We call it the Great Commission, but he basically kind of said, and I'm summarizing, he said, man, I've done my part to bring the kingdom of God here. But just as God has sent me, y'all know what he says. He says, now I'm sending you. So it's our turn. It's time for us to go. He says, go, go everywhere. And as you go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And a lot of times we stop right there, but he keeps on going. And he warns us, he says, hey, life is still going to be tough. And maybe like in some situations, it's going to be tougher. But know that through all this, through all the trials, through all the joy, through all the tears, and through all the laughter. Guess what he says? He says, I am with you. He says, I'm with you always to the very end. So church, please never forget that. Never forget his promise. I mean, if you have a fancy Bible, that's written in red ink because those are his words. And man, that is so straight to the point. But you know what? I was thinking about something, and oh, man, I usually do a lot of deep thinking when I'm mowing, all right? And, and, you know, I was thinking about something, and sometimes there are things that are not that clear. You know, like we just read, like, Christ's words in the Great Commission. Man, they're straightforward. They're to the point. But sometimes there are things that aren't so clear. You know, things I've pondered about for years and years and years, things that just kind of make you go, Hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mysteries, maybe, maybe like unsolved mysteries, if you will, you know. And, and so I jotted some of them down, and I don't know. Maybe I'm on an island. I don't know, all right? But, but here's some of these deep thoughts. Like, think about this, all right? Why isn't the word phonetic spelt the way that it sounds? Think about it. I mean, have you? I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that, you know. Uh, why, why do fat chance and slim chance mean the same exact thing? Who knows, all right? Um, But I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now, all right? Um, Man, if nothing ever sticks to Teflon, how in the world do they get Teflon to stick to the pan? Think about that. I I don't know. That's like, man, that's out there, all right? 
Uh, why is it that when you transport something by car, they call it a shipment, but when you transport something by ship, you know they call it cargo? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody was confused on that one, all right? Uh, have you ever heard of a black box in an airplane? Man, it is said to be indestructible, and my question is, if the black box is so indestructible, why can't they build their whole plane out of whatever they build that black box with? I don't know. I was like, seriously, now I'm like done with the front yard. Now I'm in the backyard. And that's where I really started thinking deep. And I was thinking, man, why does your nose run and your feet smell? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, why call it a building if it's already been built? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, corn oil, it comes from corn. Vegetable oil, it comes from vegetables. But where in the world does baby oil come from? I don't know. I don't know. Mysteries, all right? <laughs> Why are they called apartments if they're all stuck together? I, I don't know. Togetherments, I don't know. Um, man, if you try to fail and you succeed, what have you really done? That, that right there, you think on that one long enough and it'll just be like, mind blown, all right? But here's the thing, none of those compare to the mystery that Paul is presenting in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you can, turn, flip, tap, swipe, or scroll your way to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 13 today, all right? So, as y'all get there, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. We're picking up where uh, Matt left off a few weeks ago, all right? And so, as you get there, man, I want to pray over us, and uh, man, I want to challenge you to join me in prayer with these three things, all right? Let's pray today that God would speak to us, all right? Let's pray that we would be able to hear what he's saying, and let's pray that that truth changes our hearts, all right? Let's pray those three things. Dear Heavenly Father, God, man, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for Light We Sung, how you are such a good father. And when I sing that song, man, not only it reminds me of who you are, but it reminds me of whose I am. Thank you so much, God. Man, as we join here today, myself, man, my, my fellow believers in this Ridgecrest community, man, we want to ask you three things. Speak to us today. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Man, there's so many people in here. And man, we got so much baggage and we got so much stuff in our life, so much distractions. God, I pray that you would speak loud and clear to us. Secondly, please let us hear what you're saying today. God, don't let me do like I do so many times. And, and somehow I've learned how to tune certain things out. Man, I've learned how to tune my wife out at times. God, I've learned how to tune crying children out at times. God, I've learned how to, uh, unfortunately, tune truth out at times. God, at this moment, please don't let us go through the motions and tune your truth out. God, please let us hear from you today. And God, finally, we ask that what you say and what we hear, 
God, we pray that it would change our lives. God, we pray that it would change our hearts. God, we pray that it would change the way that we instruct our children, how we communicate with our wives. God, how we communicate with our spouse. God, how we live even outside of these walls in the privacy of our own home or in the locations of where we work or go to school. God, please change our hearts from what your truth says today. We ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen. All right, like we said a few minutes ago, we are jumping right back in to the, the study that we're calling, uh, we're calling it Living in Christ. And we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. And today we are picking up where we left off. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 8 through 13. So it'll go, it's going to be on the screen. So if you can, follow along with me as we read this truth, all right? This is what it says in Ephesians, starting with verse 8. It says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Then he wraps up with this last verse, verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory, all right? Well, that's where we're going to be today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and start in verse 8. And we're going to start just kind of walking through this brief scripture. And so if you can, focus back to 8, and we'll go ahead and read that again. It says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So here's what I'm going to do today. Real briefly, we're going to give you the three Ps, all right? So, uh, man, if you can remember, just remember that alphabet letter called P, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so as we go through here, look, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9 first, but starting with verse 8, man, we see Paul's presentation of the mystery, all right? So we're going to be focusing on this mystery that was referenced to a few weeks ago that's also referenced right there in your text in verses 1 through 7. And uh, man, we're going to start off with how it starts off. It says, to me, though I am the least of, the, of all the saints, this grace was given to me. Remember who's writing this letter, all right? Remember that Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. And remember, like, I don't know where you write letters. I, I don't really. You know, like, it's been a long time since I've written a letter. But Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. And listen, man, Paul says he marveled at the grace that was given to him by which he was called to preach the gospel that makes the mystery a reality. And so think about who's writing this. Like, think about Paul's personal history. 
man, we see that uh, his calling was really all about grace, all right? Uh, I mean, he's writing this, and he's like thinking, like he's bobbing the music, like, I'm all about that grace, about that grace. I mean, like, he, he's, he's right there. Like, if anybody, this is him. Man, think about his story. He was headed, you know, on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, and God changed his life. And, and, and we know that from there, man, he was so instrumental into pouring through different people, into pouring in so many different churches, into writing so many books in the New Testament. But I like this. Check this out. While Paul was being thankful for this office that was given to him, all right, his success in it greatly humbled him. Let us not miss that point. Uh, you know, it's said by Spurgeon that the fuller a vessel becomes, the deeper it can sink in water, but a plentitude of grace is a cure for all pride. You know, Paul was not boasting like, look what I've done. Man, look at all these things that I've accomplished. But he's saying, man, out of all these people, man, out of all the saints, man, I'm the least of these, and grace was given to me. And why was the grace given to him? It says the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. This was huge, all right? Uh, man, when you take the Greek translation of this word, it literally means to announce the good news, all right? And Paul was preaching, like his preaching was simply the announcement of the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And man, it was great news to the Gentiles. And then going on, it says to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Man, the mystery that we're speaking about, man, the mystery that Paul continues to reference is like this great riches, especially to the Gentiles, because now they can uh, come before God in a standing that before this, they could only dream about. When Paul tried to figure out the greatness of God's grace, it's kind of like he's tracking out, like maybe somebody would like track out the banks of a pond, all right? Anybody ever try to get into a pond? Man, uh, Mackenzie and I, we went swimming in a few lakes last summer. We, we took a couple of dips in Club Lake, all right? And then took a couple of dips in this one that they call Money Lake, all right? And I remember, like, uh, Max words. She was like, ooh, it's so gooey, all right? And, and so as we're trying to, like, track our way in there and not be the only one that, you know, falls down because it's, like, slippery, uh, you know, like, Paul's kind of doing the same thing. He's tracking out the greatness of God's grace, but suddenly Paul realized that, man, he hadn't discovered a lake, all right? Uh, in fact, what he discovered was an ocean, an immeasurable sea. And so as I was walking through that pond and I was like, Mackenzie, it's okay, come this way. And when you get right here, don't worry, you can still touch. Paul, he's like, wow, man, this is no lake. This right here is an ocean. Man, this right here is an immeasurable sea. And that's what I want to tell you today. God's riches are unsearchable. We will never know the greatness of his riches completely. Uh, also uh, written by Spurgeon, he says this about uh, the riches of, of God. He says, I am bold to tell you that my master's riches of grace are so unsearchable that he delights to forgive and forget enormous sins. 
The bigger the sin, the more glory to his grace. If you are head over ears in debt, he is rich enough to discharge your liabilities. And if you are at the very gates of hell, he is able to pluck you from the jaws of destruction. Man, what Spurgeon said so long ago is still evident today. Man, no matter where you are, we not only say in the lowest of lows, but even if you find yourself in the highest of highs, guess what? Man, God's mercies and God's grace are unsearchable. Man, if you find yourself in the lowest of lows, he can get you out of that. If you find yourself in the highest of highs, you better be thanking him because it's because of him that you're there. And here's the thing, no matter what that is, he's still better than all of that. And as we keep on going, we go to verse 9. And look, verse 9 says this right here. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, all right? So Paul is saying, man, hey, man, I don't know how, man, grace has been given to me And not only has it been given me to share the gospel with the the Gentiles, but to bring light for everyone, uh, to, to bring about what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages of God who created all things. So having been entrusted with such riches, Paul's passion was to make the gospel known to all people. Do we have that same passion, church? Do we leave here on a weekly basis saying, man, how can I take what we've talked about today and apply it daily to my family? How can I take the truths that we talked about today and bring it up in conversations at work? Man, do we look for ways to take what we know as the mystery of the gospel and bring it about to, to uh, all people? Because That's what Paul wanted to do right here. I mean, he wants everyone to be able to see and share in the fellowship of what he's referring to as this mystery of the gospel, which is only a mystery because it was unknown and it was unknowable until God revealed it to him. And so when he talks about that mystery, man, we should carefully consider what that phrase actually means, all right? And and when you break it down, it demonstrates that these are not only facts to know, but also it's about a life to live. And so we need to be united in Jesus Christ with other believers without any separation such as existed between like the Jews and the Gentiles, all right? And so, man, we, it, it seems like a, a harsh challenge, but there's times when we can say, you know what, I've heard that before. You know what, I can't, I, kind of think I know that, you know, like a- after how old I am and I've heard it this many times, man, I, 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 this is not new. But it might sound like a harsh challenge, but the challenge is, well, are you living it out? See, it's different to just know something, and it's a whole nother meaning to live a life uh, that's reflecting that you know that, all right? And so, man, the great truth is, man, the fellowship of the mystery of the gospel was hidden But now God revealed it after the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I love that we're able to read this passage on this Sunday after last Sunday was the Sunday where we're celebrating not only the weekend of of Christ's crucifixion, but then how he beat death and how he raised from the grave. 
And so, man, we take that and we also understand that it was at that moment that all of these works became completed. These works were finished. And this reinforces the idea that there genuinely is something new about the new covenant. Man, it was brand new to them, all right? So if you're writing stuff down, man, the second thing that that we want to challenge you with today was not just Paul's presentation of the mystery, but the second thing is, is the purpose of the mystery, all right? So Paul is right here, and he's presenting the mystery, but now he's going to say, man, here, here, let me break it down. Here's the, here's the purpose of this mystery, all right? And so, like, the Bible tells us that in this age, man, the life of the kingdom is worked out primarily through the church. Did y'all hear that? Man, the life of the kingdom is worked out primarily through the church. Have y'all ever thought about that? Like, the church is where God's kingdom is made visible in this age through the church. So let's continue to look through Ephesians 3. We're going to look at verse 10. This is what verse 10 says. It says, so that through the, y'all read it with me, church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Man, when it talks about that, man, God, man, he's a being of infinite wisdom. He's a being of infinite glory, and he wants his creatures to know his great and his manifold wisdom. One purpose in his great plan of the ages is to reveal this wisdom, and he does so through the church. Man, understanding, like, the character of God, we could say that, man, this is not, like, selfish or, like, a self-glorifying motive in the way that we think of, like, a proud man saying, man, look at all these degrees, or an athlete saying, man, look at all these accomplishments or these trophies or these records that I've broken, but instead of showing off accomplishments or showing off brain power to everyone, God does this for the glory of his creatures, all right? for the glory of his creatures, because the glory of the creatures is directly connected to the glory of the creator. So like the church is the arena which God has chosen to do this above all else, to showcase his wisdom and his glory of the gospel. And as many have put it before, the church is the outpost of God's kingdom in the world, the church. Man, let us not take that lightly. Let us understand the weightiness of that. Man, he's going to do this through the church. It's not correct to say that the church is the kingdom of God, but as we've seen, there was much more to the kingdom than that, but it's right to say that the church is where we see the kingdom of God manifested in this age. And do y'all want to see the kingdom of God? Do y'all want to see what it looks like? Man, at least like what it looks like before it's made perfect. Man, do you want to see the life of the kingdom lived out in this age? If yes, look at the church, because that's where God's wisdom is displayed. Man, where people were formerly alienated, uh, man, they, 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 they were away, but now they've become made one with Jesus Christ and, and where God's Holy Spirit is wor- at work remaking and rebuilding human lives. That's the church. Man, I talk to people once a week on Tuesdays, and one of the questions is, man, do you have any family members? Like, do you have anybody in town 
that knows that you're in need. And, and some people, man, the answer's different. Like, yes, but I can't go to my family. Man, my family, they can't support me right now, or my family, we're no longer talking right now, or, man, a lot of times people say, man, I don't even have family here in town. And, and my next question is, what about a church? Man, are, are you involved in a church? And some of the questions are, man, I can't go to church. Man, I cannot be a part of the church in the condition I am in right now. I don't know who put this false truth out there that says you got to get right before you go to church. Man, you got like the church is made of like perfect people. No, the church is for the sick and the dying. Man, the church is where you come to glorify God. Man, where you come and God makes you whole. When you hear scripture, when you lift your voice up in praises, like, man, the church is where you go, not because you've already done those things, but because you're going to allow God's Holy Spirit to remake you and rebuild you in the way that only he can. Man, the church is where God's people learn to love one another. Man, I, I, I hope that we show people that. I hope that they don't think, man, the church is where people come to argue. Man, the church is where people come uh, and, and they make their, you know, separations known. Man, they make their, they air their dirty laundry. Or churches where we have these meetings and these meetings and, 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 and there's confrontation Man, the church is where we should learn to love one another, to bear one another's burdens and sorrows, to weep together, to rejoice together, to hold each other accountable, to do life with one another. Man, we know it's not perfect. Man, when people say, man, I'm leaving because this church is not perfect, then, uh, man, I, I want to think about something that somebody told me once before, and they said, well, when you find the perfect church, don't join it, all right? But because you'll mess that up. Like, man, we as people, we're not perfect, all right? And this church is not perfect, but the church is where the life of the kingdom is lived and showcased for the world who is so desperately in need of salvation. And he talks about not only is it going to be done through the church, all right, but the reason why is so God might now be made known through the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Man, this explains how God will reveal his wisdom and whom he will reveal it to. Man, he's going to reveal it by his work in the church, and then he will reveal it to, look what it says, the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. Man, there's some people who get this twisted. Man, they, they, they want to stop right after authorities and put the period right there. And so when we think of who are our rulers today, who are the people in authority today, man, the church, man, the church will be able to show them the manifold wisdom of God, and, and, and now it will be known even to them. But that's not where it stops. Listen to what it says. In the heavenly places, man, we are surrounded, uh, you know, by this invisible set of spiritual beings, okay? And, and, and they intently look upon us, all right? And so when Paul writes this, he's kind of drawing back that invisible curtain that hides these beings, like just as Elisha prayed. You know, man, when, when he said, Lord, I pray, 
Man, open his eyes that he may see. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, referencing 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And when his eyes were open, he was like, oh, man. You know, these angelic beings were now visible. And these angelic beings, man, they see us perfectly. And they know us far better than we know them. And so when he's talking about, man, the, the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places, and we break that down, man, it can mean angelic beings that are interested and instructed by the lives of Christians. I mean, this is why the conduct of the church is so important, all right, uh, because angelic beings are looking on. God, God is intent to teach them through us. And, uh, man, as you work your way through, our, uh, you know, the scriptures, there's, there's so many passages that refer to this. And then uh, we go on to verse 11. And verse 11 references this. It says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right? Man, uh, the mysteries were revealed and further God's eternal purposes uh, are revealed in Jesus. Previously described uh, when, when Matt started this conversation, talking about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, that in the fullness of times, God will gather together essentially to sum up or resolve all things in Jesus. And this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mystery of a unified body of Christ is according to that purpose. It's a preview of what Jesus will ultimately do in the fulfillment of summing up all things through himself. Man, the church appears to be for the reconciled universe of the future, the, the mystery of God's will to, to be administered in the fullness of lives when the things of heaven and the things on earth will be brought together. And then it talks about when he will accomplish this, all right? We'll go on to verse 12. Listen to this. Verse 12 reads like this. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Man, through our faith in him. The fact that this unity is shown by the truth that we, that Jews and Gentiles collectively have uh, the, the identical boldness and access and confidence before God. Think about that. Man, uh, we're able to make this mystery of the gospel and present this to others with boldness because we have the uh, same boldness, the same access, the same confidence before God because it has nothing to do with our our own ethnicities. It has nothing to do with our own identity. It has nothing to do with our own accomplishments, but only with our faith through Christ Jesus. Man, the word for boldness right here, it brings about the idea of freedom of speech. Like, man, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to have freedom of speech. Like, we have the freedom to express ourselves before God without fear or shame. But, but check this out. Man, the, the Greek word translated by boldness means free speech. That is like speaking of all. I mean, like uh, it is the blessed privilege of prayer to be able to pray out to Christ. And so the divisions in the church have not always been just between Jew and Gentile, like reference right here. 
Man, as you go through church history, man, we see that the division between the church could be a lot of things. Man, uh, not only Jew and Gentile, but, but other races. The reformers spoke out against the division between clergy and laity, and the teaching of the priesthood uh, is something that all the believers insisted on, uh, the fact that we all have access to God. And that is incredible. We all have that same access. And the third and final thing to challenge y'all with today is this right here. Paul's current personal participation in the mystery, all right? So, man, as we're kind of walking through this, man, we talk about Paul's presentation of the mystery. We talked and touched on the purpose of the mystery. And now in closing, man, let's look at Paul's current personal participation in the mystery. And it's summed up in this final verse, verse 13. Paul writes, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So, man, as we break that down, man, we got we to gotta realize, like when he's saying, therefore, I ask you not to lose heart, uh, man, though under arrest, like he was, has been arrested and now he's in prison for the sake of the gospel, Paul asked his friends in the church of Ephesus, he asked his readers not to lose heart. Paul didn't want them to be discouraged for his sake, uh, you know, because Paul was still being used in the service of God's eternal plan, even though he was in prison. Man, he goes on and he talks about, man, uh, what I'm suffering is for you. Man, another translation might say, my tribulations are for you. Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church of Ephesus, and we know the context, but as a reminder, you know, he wrote this letter from prison. And it's useful to remember that, uh, you know, why Paul was imprisoned in the first place. He lived his whole life with a passion to bring the salvation to his own people, the Jews. We know that when he referenced that in Romans 9. Uh, But on a strategic visit to Jerusalem, he had the opportunity to be able to preach to a vast crowd near the Temple Mount. All right, and this is referenced in the book of Acts. But the opportunity ended in disaster because the Jewish crowd could not stand the idea of the good news of the Messiah being extended to others like the Gentiles. And so the ensuing riot that took place put Paul in a legal dilemma, so, so, such a crazy dilemma that uh, he used his right as a Roman citizen to, to appeal to Caesar. And now Paul was being imprisoned in Rome, writing, uh, you know, this letter uh, from Rome, waiting for his trial before Caesar. And there, in prison, he still knew that God wanted the Gentiles to share in the good news of the Messiah. And so he was not afraid to pen these letters. I mean, he, wasn't a pre- he was not afraid to preach that truth the truth that sent him to jail and the truth that now found him imprisoned, man, he was doing this for them. He says, so I ask you not to lose heart over my current situation for what I'm suffering because I did it for, listen to this, for which is your glory. Man, Paul was being used and, and probably in a greater way than, than ever imagined, even while being in prison, 
he was able to produce the letters of the uh, letters to the church of Ephesus. Man, he was able to write the letters to the Colossians, the Philippians, and, and even write the letter uh, Philemon, all in prison. And they all certainly have their place in God's eternal plan. Uh, but I want to challenge you today, church, in the same manner. Each of us has the place of service of God in his eternal plan. And knowing this and working towards it is a great God against losing heart in the midst of these tough times, in, in the midst of tribulation. And so I don't know how much y'all like to read, all right? And I don't know if those of y'all who like to read had that one go-to book. Uh, I saw some people, uh, you know, just posting, man, I'm reading this book. I saw this picture on Instagram. They said, man, this book uh, paired with a, a cup from Starbucks is amazing, all right? Less on the Starbucks, but more on this book. And, and it's like totally changing my views about everything. And I, I, I was being sincere, and I was like, hey, does 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 this book have any pictures, all right? Uh, I, I like to learn visually. <laughs> and, and somebody said, no, what? Are you kidding me? No, it's all words. But, man, the content is so graphic, all right? So there's no, like, no pictures needed, all right? But, but so, like, maybe our levels of reading are on, uh, you know, different levels. But I have this book that my mom gave me when I was in the seventh grade, all right? And it's about great sporting accomplishments, Okay. And, and I, man, growing up, I thought this was the coolest book ever, right? This is like the greatest things that have ever happened in sports to that point that it was printed, all right? And, and so I would go through and I would read these stories. And my favorite basketball player growing up before I met Dirk, all right, was, was definitely Michael Jordan. And so like, man, I'm reading all these different things. And until a couple weekends ago when we were moving all our junk, I mean, all our stuff from, from one place to another. And I found this book again, and I was like, oh, man, to be in seventh grade again? Oh, no. Okay, no, no. Oh, but to look at this book again, and I was looking through there, and I was like, man, this is so cool. This is where it's at. But you know what I found? In one of the sections over, like, one of my favorite players, there was this fold-out. I never knew. Like, I never even knew it was in there. And like this whole time I had read this story, and think about how cool it was to be able to find, what? Like, hold up, wait a minute. Oh, and it was like a double fold out, you know what I'm saying? So now there's like two more pages, and then on the backside, two more. So four more pages of greatness that I never knew about. And like, yeah, I was supposed to be like packing and then unpacking, you know, but I found myself like away from everybody, and I was like, man, this is awesome. I never knew this was in here. This is so cool. How did I miss this before? And my challenge to y'all is, man, what are y'all missing? Like, like, what are you missing that has yet to be revealed? Like, maybe God's mystery has been revealed to you, but you're not sharing it with others. Like, what are you missing in that? Man, uh, I want you to think about that and uh, as the band makes their way up, I want to pray for us, all right? But, but I want you to think that, man, we talked about how Christ, he didn't come back for a Sunday morning celebration, but he came back with a message and he said, it is your time. And so it's our time to unfold the next page in life and for us to be able to find that identity in Christ and what it means 
to actually be informed in Christ, all right? Bow with me as we pray.